This morning from John's Gospel, chapter 17, beginning in verse 20, Jesus is speaking and says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Are you familiar with the song entitled Home? It was sung by a fellow named Philip Phillips. He was the contestant on American Idol in 2012 that won that contest. And when you win that contest, then you have a record contract, and they put out a debut single for you. The one that he used was Home. It became the highest-selling debut single of anybody off American Idol and the whole time that show has been on television. Subsequently, it was used in a variety of television shows. You may have heard it on the Olympic broadcast in 2012 or maybe on CNN. They used it in their CNN Hero series. PBS used it on a July 4th special. Phillips was invited to sing it at an NBA All-Star game and then also at a Major League Baseball All-Star game. It struck a chord with people in America. The song talks about the troubles and the fears that people struggle with, but then it has a tagline that I think is the part that's so important. As I was driving to church last Sunday morning, I just had the radio on and heard this song. I'd heard it before, but never had the tagline for the chorus struck me quite like it did last week. I put it in your outline. After he sings about the troubles and the fears that people deal with, he says this, just know that you're not alone because I'm going to make this place your home. Just know you're not alone because I'm going to make this place your home. Millions of copies of this song have been purchased and I think it is because, at least partly, because it resonates with something deep down within each of us that we desire a place of home, a place of safety and security, a place place of belonging and of welcome, of acceptance, a place where we know no matter what happens, we can go there and we'll be loved and cared for by someone we can trust. Do you have a sense of home? Do you experience this place or other places where you can go and despite whatever has happened or whatever you've done or whatever you're going through, that you know there are people who are there that will love you and care about you and support you? In our text from John 17, we find Jesus in the middle of a prayer. 
This is part of a larger section out of John's gospel I've been preaching from. It begins in chapter 13 and begins to talk about the last night Jesus is with his disciples and goes through 17. The beginning of 17, though, Jesus moves from just a discussion or a dialogue with the disciples and moves into this prayer. And up until where we started in verse 20, he's praying for the disciples and what he wants for them and hopes for them after he is gone. But then in verse 20, he takes this turn and begins to pray for what he hopes they accomplish and others who are not there and for the world. And his prayer is that God's love will so pour through him and into them that they will share it with the world. That other people beyond the disciples he touched physically will come to know this great God of love because the disciples are able to share that love with them. And the prayer is asking that God might bless these disciples and make this happen so that other people in the world will really, really know that God loves them. I read over and over this passage during this week and I began to think about our church and began to wonder how are we doing with that assignment of so embodying this love of God that those outside the church walls outside the sanctuary those in the world are they receiving this love that Christ prays for that they they might come to know it through the disciples How are we doing with our assignment? How well do we do that? How well are we reaching out to people outside of the church? All kinds of research these days telling us that the gulf between the church and the culture is widening, that the gap is getting bigger, that so many people in our country no longer see the church or church people as people they can trust. They don't see us as a people of integrity and of truth and of goodwill and of love. We see ourselves that way, but so many others do not. All kinds of reasons probably that that is happening, but I read a story just this week that I thought kind of illuminated why this might be happening, at least at one level. It was a story about a middle-aged couple who were looking for a church home They had begun to attend this church close to where they lived, sort of a smaller neighborhood church. After a few weeks, they began to think maybe this could be the place for them. Maybe this could be their church home. As they got to know more and more people and they'd been going there for some months, they thought, yes, this could be it. And then they talked with the pastor. The pastor found out that they were not married. They had been living together for over 20 years, but they were not married. And without asking any further questions, he asked them to leave the church. He quickly decided they were living in sin, and since they had hesitated, when he began to talk about that, he said, we cannot have this in my church, and cast them out. The irony is that they both grew up in the church. They grew up in different Christian denominations and they fell in love as young adults and they wanted to get married. But you know what happened? 
Even though they were in different denominations, both those denominations came to the same conclusion that the person they had fallen in love with was not part of the right faith tradition. And both churches refused to do their wedding. So their first experience of church, an important life moment, was that they were forbidden to get married in the church. And then 20 years later, when they come back, they're rejected once again. It might have been a better strategy to love them, to support them, to listen to their story, to help heal those wounds that they had been carrying for two decades bring them into the church and you know what i bet it would have led to a marriage commitment and a marriage covenant and a restored relationship with god in the church but is it any wonder when those kind of experiences happen why people don't think this is a place they want to call home that this is a place they will be accepted and cared for and welcomed and helped. I got a phone call last week. It's from a guy I've known for a long time. He grew up in the church. He's a faithful church attender. His brother had suddenly died. He was hurting. He wanted to take his brother back to their home church to do the funeral but his family has had so much conflict with their current pastor that he doesn't feel like they can even work with him at this most painful poignant time in their lives i got another call this week from a woman saying she's heard some of my sermons She's heard me talk about abundant life. She's wondering if we might be able to help her with that. She said, I'm not even sure I deserve it. You think the stories of rejection that people experience from the church will be spread around? If you see a bad movie, you go to a restaurant you don't like, if you have some other service experience, do you tell people about it? Bad news travels fast in my experience. I think these stories get told over and over and over outside the walls of the church, and it's no wonder that people do not trust us to be those who really love and care and welcome and support them despite whatever hardship they've experienced or whatever life circumstance they find themselves in. And our text today from John, he gives us a remedy for this. Jesus says the key is unity and love. Unity and love, he says, are the key. If you still have your Bibles open, look at the last part of verse 22. Jesus is in the middle of the prayer and he says, so that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, as he speaks to God, that they may become completely one so that the world 
may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Can you imagine people who have never known Christ before hearing that God loves them as much as his own son? That is the good news that John is trying to proclaim throughout his gospel, that God has taken action, that God has sent his son so that we might know the divine love is alive and at work in our lives for good and that God is for us and loves us but also gives us an assignment to so love one another that others will see that and know that God loves them too. Jesus sees this unity in love in the body of believers as the role model and witness to the world. So that's our assignment, is to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And the prayer Jesus prays, he asks that God might be at work in such a way that the disciples are so good at this that they embody this love so that the world really knows that the God of the universe is a God of love and loves each and every child on the planet. What good news, John tells us. You know, this is the gospel that gives us for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. John 3, 16, he loved the world Sometimes we seem to forget that and only love those who are already here or those who agree with us or those who have the same theology or the same dress or the same this or the same that. But the Gospel of John opens that much broader and says God loves the whole world and he wants us to so experience that love that we cannot but help embody it in the way we live our lives. Three times in these three verses Jesus prays for the others, for those who do not yet believe, for the world. He wants them to know this God of love that He knows. He wants them to experience the intimacy and the closeness, the healing and the wholeness that He experiences because of His relationship with God. And His disciples are experiencing through their relationship with Him. Reggie McNeil has written a book called missional renaissance i've been asking our adult classes to prepare to study that all through the month of september now mcneil is much more conservative than i am he comes from a denomination that's all focused on saving people and evangelism so it really surprised me in his book when he said christians don't need an evangelism strategy he said we need a blessing strategy he said when we meet someone we shouldn't first think how can i convert them or even how can i get them to come to church but she we we should be thinking how can i bless them how might i be a blessing in their lives how might i do something good for them that they would experience as a blessing right where they are, right in that experience. McNeil reminds us 
that this whole blessing strategy thing started thousands of years ago when God called a fellow named Abram and said, if you'll follow the divine lead, I will bless you so that you can bless the world. McNeil says God's been working on that ever since. And he invites us to be a part of that. But so often, we don't lead with God's love or grace or blessing. And so others don't have that experience. He says, this is is how we should get started. Decide to look for three people you could bless this coming week. Just to have that in the back of your mind as you go through your day-to-day life, looking for three people that you might bless. He says when he talks to churches about this, he says, now, make sure one of them doesn't deserve it. Pick someone who doesn't deserve it. And then he says he pauses and waits a moment for people to think about that and then reminds them the way the gospel works is that none of us deserve it. It is the grace of God. And so, of course, you can find someone who doesn't deserve it. Bless them anyway. He says that's the clear biblical teaching is that God's people are supposed to be a a people of blessing. That we're supposed to be carrying this love and grace that we've come to know in Christ Jesus as our Lord into the world so that others have opportunity to have that same experience. He says we're not to be the gatekeepers of blessing. We're not to be deciding who deserves it. It's not based on a criteria of who they are, but it's based on who God is. And we're supposed to know God as this God of love who likes to bless people and invites us into that adventure of blessing right along with him as we build the kingdom. As I was thinking about all this this week, it it took me back to the time where I was about to graduate from high school and move into college and I was beginning to ask those questions. What am I going to do with my life? What can I do? What might I enjoy? Where might I be successful? What might be of interest to me? Where might I contribute? But not only was I asking those questions, but because I'd been raised in the church, I was also asking questions like this. Where is God leading me? Where does God want to use me? If God has given me talents, how does God want me to use those? And as I thought about that matrix of questions and pondered all that through prayer i came to this recognition that in my life the place where i had found hope and help and love and care and encouragement in my times of struggle and despair was in the church it was through people in the church that had made all the difference in my life i was so grateful for all those who had come along beside me when i needed someone and i thought if that's what god wants me to do then I'm all in. I'm ready to go. If I can give hope and help to someone else, if I can sort of pay back what I have received, then I am ready to do that. I still want to be a person that offers hope and help to others. I still want to relate to those outside the church with such love and grace that they find a place they can call home. 
maybe this could be the place. If we could be that church family that understood this prayer of Jesus about unity and love and treated each other with such deep respect and love and care and support. We would be a witness to the world, Jesus says. That surely if we shared that kind of unity and love, people might see it and think God is present there. I would be welcomed there. I would be loved in that place. That might be a place I could call home. Unity in love. Jesus prays that it might be so for his followers, for his disciples. Might we answer that prayer in our lives at this place? Amen. And thanks be to God.